Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show, and I'd like to welcome you to the show or welcome you back to the show if you've been here before. Uh, but no matter what, just thank you for taking the time to download and listen. So uh, last week, we spent a, a good deal of time talking to five different guests about the transfer window. And um, some of the things that came up over and over and over were uh, our our inability to bring in a, a kind of direct attacking winger uh, that was somebody that can, they can attack with some pace um, and also uh, address what we needed kind of in the middle of the park um, in a creative kind of attacking midfielder, somebody that could create chances for us, that could play balls through uh, because the players that we have just simply haven't been able to get that done. And we saw more of the same this week. Uh, coming back off the international break, um, we failed to register a shot on target until very late in the game. Uh, if you even want to call what we had uh, a shot on target, it, um, it it wasn't a very good performance. It was one of the poor performances that I have seen. Um, and the fact that I didn't watch it live, the fact that I already knew the outcome and I knew the result and I kind of knew what the game was going to look like based on, on, on the comments of, of people that I, that I know and the people, the comments that were made on Twitter, uh, made that game even, I think worse to watch because I, I didn't really want to watch it because I knew that we played so poorly and I knew that the players kind of lack conviction and I can normally put up with a loss, even if it's a, if it shouldn't be that way, even if we made a mistake, if players are playing hard and, kind of giving it their all and and you just get outplayed. That's one thing. But if you're not giving that effort, I feel like that is, um, unacceptable. Then that's just it. Um, but it's still early in the season. Uh, we're only four games in, but the fact that we've only had three goals from those four games is, is worrying. Uh, the fact that, you know, the, 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 the schedule that we've had so far has not been the toughest and that we only have taken as many points as we have from them. Um, it's, it's somewhat worrisome, but, uh, like I said, long season, uh, plenty of time maybe to, to turn this around. So hopefully Pellegrino is, is, is adjusting as we speak. Um, unlike, unlike one Frank DeBoer, who is no longer the coach of Crystal Palace. And, um, my guest this week, Dan Hargraves, who is on Twitter at DHargravesSFC. Uh, he and I talked kind of about DeBoer and Pellegrino and and, and uh, a little bit. And, um, you know, we at the, at the point that we had talked, uh, DeBoer was still the coach. We knew that there was a chance he was going to be fired. Um, but indeed, uh, as, of, as of now, as of the time of recording this intro, he is indeed fired. So um, that just keep that in mind as we as we move through the episode. But um, with with Dan this week, we're going to talk about his YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to talk about his match day vlogs and kind of what that's like and how that has kind of changed and uh, the, the way he watches a match maybe. Um, and we'll also get into the Watford match. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that and we'll look a little bit at the transfer window that we did in a little bit last week. I'll get Dan's take on that as well. So we'll take some listener questions and special thanks to everybody who did that. Um, and that will kind of be it. So I was going to make jokes about, uh, you know, we've had hurricanes and earthquakes and fires and things in the United States. And I was going to say that England's going through or Southampton's going through a massive, massive drought uh, and their inability to score. But I don't know. I don't know if that works. So I'm not going to do that. 
but I guess I just did that anyway. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Dan Hargraves. You can find him on Twitter at DHargravesSFC. The link to his YouTube channel is in the show notes. If you haven't done so yet, be sure you subscribe to that channel. Uh, he's got plenty of stuff coming your way. So here's my conversation with Dan Hargraves. I hope you enjoy it. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Dan Hargraves. We had Dan on way back in episode 20 when we went around the world and kind of talked about last season, uh, but he's back now. You can find him on Twitter at dhargravessfc, and he's got a link to a YouTube channel that we put in the show notes for you to check out, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the Watford match and kind of uh, everything else that's going on around the club. Uh, but Dan, it's nice to talk to you again. Uh, welcome back after your kind of weekend adventure. Uh, <laughs> Cheers, Matt. Happy to have you back. Yeah, I'm very happy to be back. If you don't mind, I, I say we, we start to talk about your channel because you kind of started a new YouTube channel uh, a few weeks or a month or so ago. Um, yeah. And I've been, I've been watching along and I don't know, kind of this idea of the, the kind of match day vlog is, is interesting to me. I jokingly you know, said I would, I would do one, but it would basically be me waking up, making coffee, and then sitting down by myself in a dark room to watch the match. So uh, I won't do that. But um, I'm interested to talk to you about that. And uh, kind of everything else you got going on, and then we'll we'll talk about the match and all that stuff. So let's start with uh, your new channel. What made you kind of switch between because you had a channel before, and now you've kind of gone in a new direction? Maybe uh, what kind of got you into that, and and made you start to go this way? Well, um, I've always kind of been interested in kind of presenting and broadcasting that sort of thing, and I was given the opportunity through Freddie from the Ugly Inside to feature and his channel a bit doing previews and stuff and I really enjoy that so that's what's got me to start the channel I had before kind of January February time and I enjoyed it but I felt like there wasn't much point in having a channel where I wasn't going to upload regularly and I think that was the realistic uh well it, that was just what was going to happen I didn't feel like I would have the time and not necessarily have the effort to put and um, put out good videos that I thought were high quality that people would have wanted to watch. So I had a little break. I stopped that. I wanted to change what I was doing. So I've generalized my channel for football so it could reach a wider market, right? reach a wider audience. Um, so I saw a gap in the market in terms of Southampton Matchday Vlogs because Matchday Vlogs are getting much more popular on YouTube. Um, the big YouTubers will get the best part of hundreds of thousands of views on their matchday vlogs, whether they be regular or not. But I just wanted to, doc uh, yeah, I think document is probably the best word to use. I want to be able to look back on the highs, the lows, and then maybe when the end of the season comes around, I can have maybe 20, 25 matchday vlogs that I'm happy with, where we've had the highs, we've had the lows. Uh, and then I can look back in five years' time when hopefully I've done five seasons worth of matchday vlogs. I can see maybe how the club has grown, how it's developed, or it might have deteriorated a little bit. I don't know, but hopefully I can get better doing the vlogs and then people keep watching and then the audience can grow. And the other thing I have in my mind is not only to do Southampton ones, but to do other teams. I'd quite like to do big games like maybe do the Manchester Derby soon or in a couple of years time. I'd really like to do the old firm, go up to Scotland and do that. So really the sky's the limit in that sense, because right now I've got a specific market, but I think I could go to a much broader audience. Yeah. I have found myself when I watch your channel, 
um, oftentimes like you, you get other matches or, or maybe visiting fans that come up, like their vlogs come up. And I found myself watching those just to see kind of what they're, what that trip down to Southampton is like from wherever. And so I don't know. I, I think they're, they're interesting. And, and for me having, you know, I don't get that experience every day or every match day. So to kind of see what, what a typical match day for you is like, or for, for somebody who lives in England is like, I, I, I really enjoy it. And I find it, I find it to be, uh, you know, you're just adding, uh, one more piece of evidence to, you know, the, the atmosphere in the stadium or, uh, you know, you're documenting all that stuff, as you said. And I think that's, I think that's important because I think that way we can look back and it doesn't have to be you, but somebody else can look back and say, well, you know, you go back to, you know, 2017, you look at what Southampton's home form was like, we have all these, you know, you're just documenting that stuff. So, uh, I think that, I think that's pretty good. But in, in terms of, um, actually doing a match day vlog, like how much video do you actually have to take to make that day, that match day work? Um, I do take a lot of clips is probably, I would say the best part of 20 minutes worth of just video footage and I record on my iPhone. So a lot of it is actually cut out because quite a lot of the time you'll start recording when you think there might be a goal or a good chance or whatever and that actually it turns to nothing and you think, well, no one's really going to want to see that in the video. So, yeah, I would say probably I'll use half of this content that I actually film. And I guess like when you're doing it, does it is that taking away from your experience when you're versus when you were just watching the matches? Because sometimes when I'm at home and I know I have to write notes about the match or, or do something like I find myself that I miss some parts of the game. I have to go back and watch them again because I'm, I'm worried about other stuff. Do you, do you find you that happens to you when you're trying to record something? Yeah, I think I definitely have a focus to maybe, I don't know, get a goal on camera or get the best viewpoint or something. And sometimes that does take your focus away. I'm always hundred percent focused on what's going on in the game. I know, um, what's happening, whether we're in a good spell or a bad spell in that period of the game. But there's definitely not a worry, but there's definitely concern that I might not be doing the best job because I'm so focused on the game. So then I get focused on the camera and then it, it kind of needs to balance itself out, but can't really. So I just try and do the best job that I can in terms of getting a good angle, filming the best parts of the game if, when I can, if I'm lucky enough to get the opportunity to film it at the right time but then also enjoy the match be a spectator that's why i paid the money to go to the game and yeah i i, I understand that 100 and i i kind of just wonder uh, about that and because i approach it so much differently if i'm just watching versus when i started really seriously doing the podcast that i i knew that i you know i have to make specific notes and I don't know. I think some people can just watch the match and it's no big deal and they can just kind of remember all that stuff, but that's, I can't do that. Or at least not yet. I have to like kind of, and if you've seen the outline, you see me kind of write things down and this is, I guess, much less than normal just because I had to watch it over, over two parts and uh, I fell asleep in the middle of it last night. So <laughs> I had to wake up and do it again. But in addition to the channel, what else are you doing in terms of producing content about the club? Are you, are you writing for anybody still or are you doing anything like that? Yeah. So I'm still writing with the Ugly Inside, um, who I started off with a year and a half ago now. It's gone quite quickly, actually. And then recently I joined up on the team with Saints Marching, which is part of the fan-sided network. And I've really enjoyed writing for them because they really go deep into the analysis of the games. They write some very good pieces. Um, so I feel like I'm on a good team. And that also probably will give me the opportunity to go maybe onto other sites, on the fan-sided network, and then I have 
published the um, odds article for Reed Salamden and other sites on the Reed Network. But for now, I think my main focus this year is probably trying to make my channel grow. I'm going to be writing regularly, as I always have been. But I think now I want to improve my skill of producing the content and then growing the channel. So there's definitely some sort of niche, I guess, that I can focus on. Because I feel like my writing skills have improved quite a lot over the year and a half. I feel like I'm at a point where I can still obviously improve, but I just want to improve more in terms of video making instead of writing. So writing will still happen as regularly as it has done, but I do want to sort of put more effort in to making videos, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that goes into it, uh, I'm sh- as, as you know, but um, like a typical match day vlog, like how long does it take you to put one of those together? Like once you get home, you're, you're back from the match. How, how long does it take for you to sit down and edit and put it all together? Well, is that is probably the best part of between half an hour and an hour. Um, I know people who take more time to do theirs. I'm still kind of using a new editing software, so I'm learning with the new features and stuff. So hopefully, as people watch, uh, the quality will improve. It'll be more enjoyable to watch. But yeah, I would say it takes the best part of five minutes, ten minutes to export the video onto my laptop, then put it all in and stuff. And then editing takes half an hour and then it's exporting. So yeah, I'd say upwards of an hour and a half, to be honest with you. Sounds about right. So I, I think you're doing a great job and I, I enjoy it. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what you, what you come up with. And, um, there are a couple guys, I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos, but there are a couple guys that I follow and I'll make sure I send that to you just so you can see kind of mm-hmm. what they're doing. They don't do match day vlogs and stuff, but they, they've gotten a lot better as they've gone, uh, from start to, to now. So, uh, any, really? I think anything helps. Um, but you, you also did a video on, on the transfer window. You kind of did a transfer window roundup, um, a, a little bit. And we did a lot on the transfer window last, last episode, but, um, if you don't mind, what kind of what did you make of our transfer window? Kind of what what stood out to you as being a, a really positive thing for the club, or and w- maybe what areas do you think we kind of fell short? I think there's obviously something wrong with goal scoring. We're not scoring enough goals. I think you look at those four fixtures, and a lot of fans would have thought, you know, what realistically we could get the best eight points. I, th- I think 12 is an unrealistic target for the club we are. We have to remember we are one of those mid-table sides, hopefully pushing for this uh, sort of top seven, top eight. But there's obviously some sort of problem in terms of creativity and goal scoring. It's not like yesterday we actually had chances. Um, for once, we didn't really miss any chances because we didn't have any. So that that's probably the lowest of the low, to be honest. It's all great, create chances and scoring them. And then problems we've had before is we create a lot of chances but don't score them. But now the problem is we're not creating those chances. So not only do I think we need to look at what's happening in in the striker, I think Gabardin is a good player, but he might need something extra just to give him an extra kick, maybe in terms of a partner or a partnership in midfield. Because that's where I think the main problem lies, I think. We need more creativity in that midfield trio. I know that a few players were sort of substituted. There are a good couple of changes for the Watford game. 
And they didn't really take their chance, to be honest. I know Bufal and Will Prowse came in and neither of them really shone. I rate Bufal still. And I do think he probably would be a better option over Tadic at the moment. But like I've said, I think you look back at when we were scoring loads of goals under Koeman and that was because, not mainly, but a good part of that was the relationship Tadic and Pella had together. And if Gabbiadini can find that partner in midfield, or maybe he could be the partner to Austin. That's another thing I put on my Twitter earlier today, actually, when we were recording this, I suggested the idea of, playing Gabbiadini as a number 10 and then having Austin as our striker. And he has played there before, so that could potentially work. Or maybe not Austin, but Long as well, uh, or instead. I think something needs to be decided sooner rather than later because I think the time for experimenting is over. I think we need to know starting 11, our best team, and we need to start scoring goals because five points from those four games is ridiculous, especially with three home games. So, so something needs to change come next weekend. I think Van Dijk will come back into the team, which will be good in terms of defence. But we can keep clean sheets, but we can't score the goals and we need to score the goals to win the matches. Yeah, yeah. Looking kind of back at beginning of the season, looking at the schedule we had to start the season, I asked, you know, is is having the schedule we have, is it, does that actually put more pressure on Pellegrino to have the, the team play uh, and come out and people are going to expect more points because you look at who we're, who we're playing against. These are not necessarily, you know, good, good teams, but we, we've scored one goal from open play. We have dropped a ton of points. And like you said, we're not expecting 12 points here. That, that, that's a bit ridiculous, but, uh, somewhere in, in seven or eight points, I think is totally, uh, legitimate, especially when you look at, you know, come, come winter time, come Christmas time, we're going to have yeah. a tough run of games. And if we're not picking up points now, yeah, what does that say about us? If we can't score goals now, what is it? What is it going to mean for us later in the season? So, um, I mean, even even now, we've dropped all the way down to to thirteenth. And granted, it's still early, but uh, you know, like you said, the goals just just aren't quite there. Kind of going going from there, I guess going into the Watford match yesterday, we had uh, a fourteen three one, pretty standard formation uh, for us. But we had Stevens and Hoyt playing or Hoot playing in, in the center back positions, uh, and then Cedric and Bertrand, which you expect. Forrester was there, and and that second goal, at least I can. Uh, squarely kind of put on on him um but the midfield that we had we had davis and romeo and and i'm not particularly fond i guess of, of davis playing in that deeper role i feel like davis does really really well playing in behind the striker i think that's his best position i think too often he tends to to look for the backwards pass or the sideways pass playing in that holding role next to romeo and i and i don't really see ward prowse or buffal kind of being that guy that's going to make runs off of the striker I feel like they kind of more would look for a pass, whereas Davis will make that run uh, and give us an extra option in the box. But uh, you know that that's what it is. But kind of, what did you make of of the way we set up? Were you were you satisfied with Stevens and, and Hoot playing together uh, in in the center back position? Yeah, I think I don't think there was anything wrong. Personally, I thought Yoshida would have gotten that starting space over Stevens, um, but I don't think we have to worry about that now. We have Van Dyke; he's going to play for the under twenty threes on Monday. And hopefully that means that he can come back into the squads and maybe even the starting 11 come next weekend when we are away at Crystal Palace or if not, definitely when we play Manchester United in two weeks' time. But I had no problem with Hood and Stevens. I thought Hood would start and personally I thought Yoshida would start, but I have no problem with either of them, to be honest, for the time being. I don't think Stevens really, or choosing Stevens or Yoshida would actually make too much of a difference 
uh, if I'm perfectly being honest. I think the problem, like you've said, was Davis in that holding role. I think he's much better as an attacking midfielder with more opportunity and space to play the ball. He's a very good player on the ball, but defensively he's not a... Well, he's just not a defensive-minded player. and He doesn't score the goals, but he can definitely put a good couple of passes in. Uh, so I think I think for that game, it was mainly due to the fact that Lamina was coming back from international duty late in the week. So hopefully we can see Romeo and Lamina back together on Saturday because I think they could really form a good partnership. From what I've seen of Lamina, it was a good investment from the club. And I think we just... Our main problem at the moment is finding the best midfield trio to support the striker, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and I think Lamina is going to be... I think he's going to be the guy that does all the running. You know, I think he's going to be the guy that's going up and down. And I think he'll make those late runs into the box from deep. I think that will help the team kind of function better. It's just whoever's going to play behind the striker kind of really has to has to do a job, you know. And as much as we've talked about strikers and everything else, I think that position keeps coming up um, from everybody is that that position, whoever's going to play behind the striker, we we don't really necessarily, maybe maybe we don't have the player that we need there. And I've kind of been in defense of Tadic or Buffal, either of them. I think they're both uh, very good, but maybe they're not that good. Maybe maybe I'm I'm overrating them, but I, I hope not. I hope they, they can do it because obviously we're not going to get anybody between now and in January that's going to that's going to improve. So we got to kind of go with what we have. Um, anything in 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 the match really really stand out to you? And and I can say that. When I saw the center back pairing, the, the only thing I thought was Watford are kind of a big physical team. And I was really worried about set pieces, uh, defend us defending set pieces. But I guess for the most part, Stevens, Stevens did okay. Uh, I don't think, I don't think Hood or Hoot made, made any real mistakes. I don't think either of those were really, uh, either of the goals were their fault. You know, the, the first, the first goal came off of a long throw that we kind of, it was outside the box and, he, you know, the guy hit a volley pretty nicely and, and Forrester just couldn't get there. Um, I saw some people blaming Forrester for both goals. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think the second one's definitely him, but anything really stand out to you in, in, in the match that you think needs to, to be addressed here? Well, like I've said before, I think the main problem was to be honest, the lack of creativity or even goal threat, to be honest with you, that that's been the main worry for me. I know we scored three against West Ham and those are the only three goals we've scored, but two of those were penalties. We've scored one goal from open play and that was a good ball from Redmond and I'd like to see more of that fast-flowing, clever football because if we've done it already, why can't we do it again? That, that sort of football is what we should be looking at. Clever passes, keeping hold of possession... And then the final through ball, obviously we have to rely on the striker to make the run. And Gabbiadini is very good at that. And he's a clinical finisher. So we can all hate or give him stick for not scoring goals at the moment. But at the end of the day, has he really been given the service? How many chances has he actually missed? He got no service yesterday whatsoever. He was, and, and even in, in, in weeks past, he was uh, he was making runs and and. You know, it's not happening. They're not getting the ball to him. They're in, and you can't just expect to, you know, chuck a ball up to him over the top and expect him to beat two center backs and a goal- goalkeeper. That's not, that's unrealistic, you know. But when he's making these runs across the center back or in between the in, in between the two, uh, and we're not finding him, you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of how much how much dis what kind of distance he covers on a weekly basis, you know, without ever really getting a, a chance to to score. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to see, but. 
I mean, overall, uh, that that game was was pretty poor, and, and everything that I've read, uh, you know, most of the match reports, everything on Twitter, uh, people were pretty pretty disgusted with the performance that, that it lacked fight, and it lacked kind of conviction. Lots of people left towards the end of the match. Um, as I was watching uh, the end of the, the game, you could just see uh, the seats were pretty empty, and and people were were pretty upset. So uh, you hope that changes. You hope that the the players can can maybe convince the fans that they're really there, but. I want to talk about the manager a little bit, and, and I guess if if you think we're done with the match, I think that th- this is as good of a, a chance to do it as, as any. I guess looking at it, not not a whole lot has changed last year from Puel to this year with Pellegrino, and, and I guess my question to you is, if this is the second manager that's kind of playing a similar formation, a similar style without much change, do you think it's just because they, they both have determined this is what our squad is capable of, this is the type of, of, of football we need to play with the squad that we have? Or, or what do you think is causing us to kind of play this uh, a little bit slower? You know, it, we're pressing more now, but, uh, you know, it's definitely not what we we saw under under Kuman or even under Pochettino. I don't honestly think that the manager is completely to blame. I think the players, they just haven't shown a lot of effort or desire. And he has got a new squad to him. But we're five games into the competitive season and we're out of the cup. We've got five points from four pretty kind fixtures. Three of those games were at home. And we're, we're looking downwards, to be honest. We should be looking upwards. So Pellegrino really does need to know his starting 11, like the main one that he's going to be using, the tactics he's going to be using. And we need to implement that fast. Otherwise, all that work in pre-season... What what was the point of it? Because that's wasted time. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I always think that coming back from an international break can be can be tricky. You have guys who are traveling, you know, extremely long distances. Some of them played one match. Some of them played two. Some of them, you know, didn't didn't go anywhere. They stayed they stayed home the whole time, and they got to kind of gel with each other. And you, you wonder uh, how much of that played into Yoshida not starting yesterday, even though I don't really think he was the problem. But maybe possibly Lamina uh, not starting yesterday. And you wonder, kind of, does he know the best eleven, and and can that best eleven, you know, really, really get it done? And, and the truth is, I would have a tough time, kind of, picking the best eleven, making it a team that that can both play together and kind of that has the quality in it. And so I don't know. I, I think he's he's up for a, a tough kind of a uh, couple of months here until we can kind of you know see how it all kind of sorts out. But. I, I am under no, in no way ever, at all suggesting that, that, uh, Pellegrino is, is in fear of his job or anything, but just kind of looking around and, and, and the kind of names that came up over and over, uh, when we were looking to, to replace Puel, that was Frank DeBoer, Marco Silva, and, and Pellegrino. Um, Silva's obviously done brilliantly with Hull, even though they, they, they went down. Uh, he's got Wofford playing really, really well. DeBoer's having a heck of a time, uh, and actually could be sacked, uh, by the time this comes out. Uh, and then we have Pellegrino. So I guess, I guess my question to you is, do you still feel like we made the proper choice in choosing Pellegrino over, over DeBoer, I guess, because Silva had already taken the job at Watford? At the time he was appointed, no, I didn't. Looking on now, I'm thinking really, it was just down to between De Boer and Pellegrino. There weren't many choices. So yeah, I would say Pellegrino was the best man for the job. De Boer has brought in a completely new tactic to Crystal Palace. And I don't think it would have suited us at Saints. And like you've just said, he's in fear of his job. I think part of that is down to the fact that Crystal Palace has now kind of been branded 
as a sacking club and if that was the situation here we wouldn't be worrying well we'd be worrying but we wouldn't be talking about sacking the manager after four games but like I've said before I think Pellegrino just needs to work out his sides like you said I think I would have a very difficult time making that starting 11 but as a fan I have a good idea of what mine would probably look like but the main problem is that midfield trio who goes in and who plays on the wings and who plays centrally because we've got good squad depth but everyone needs to play in their right position and the best player in the best format that that particular time has to be the t- uh, the player that's playing yeah yeah absolutely and i don't know i i think we're really going to going to struggle and and we're we're really lacking games at this point you know we really only have the premier league until the fa cup starts and and that's it and we, i mean we could get away with only playing 40 games this year well i think that's a major incentive to for the players and the manager to really pick the points up now because like you've said earlier in the podcast our christmas and winter period is very tough yet again we've got more uh, christmas fixtures that are difficult we've got a lot of trips to the big sides we've got a trip to spurs we've got a trip to united we've got a trip to chelsea as well and at that point hopefully we could be high up the table and then we can afford to lose points in those games but if we're sort of where we are now and haven't really taken the opportunity of having easier fixtures we could really pay the price and what could look like a good season maybe we could have finished in the top eight again we may be looking downwards and thinking, well, are we going to finish about 12th or 13th? And I don't want to say that. I'm usually an optimistic fan, but I have to be realistic. If we're not picking up the points now, we're not going to finish as high as we have done in the previous seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. And, and I, I, I try to be positive, but sometimes you just have to look at it and say like, this is, this is what it looks like at this point. And um, looking elsewhere at the team, I think one of the big things that we were worried about coming into the summer was was finding a, a replacement for Jose Font and then also having options if if Virgil van Dyke chose to leave or was allowed to leave. Um, but now we're kind of sitting there with two guys in, in Stevens and Yoshida who played, I think, exceptionally well last season, who I've still said, though, that I don't want to be our everyday starters. And we're coming in now where we have Yoshida, Stevens, Hoot, and, and VVD all almost fit and ready to go. For you, which pairing would you like to see? And then and then who deserves to make the bench of the other one? Kurt and Van Dijk are clearly the best high-quality defenders out of those four. And potentially they could form a very good partnership, both um, being Dutch internationals. But then between Stevens and Yoshida, that's tough. I would like to say both. But I said it towards the end of last season. Honestly, I felt that Stevens had kind of surpassed Yoshida in our defensive ranking so honestly I'll probably put Stevens on the bench over Yoshida if that's the case where we only have one centre back of those two on the bench yeah I think I would I think I would have to agree um, that that that's the way it goes I put out a couple of polls last Friday uh, before the match and 41% of the votes went to Stevens for being the guy who most deserves to start against Watford and I think he's earned that and I think he he did a fantastic job and then I asked what pairing do you think Pellegrino will use? And, and Stevens and Hoot barely kind of edged it out, but they were, uh, they did it. And I think they, they think they played fine. I was a little worried that we were going to get bullied, like I said, on set pieces and things, but overall I think they did, they did a, a pretty good job. But I mean, by putting Stevens in there yesterday, 
both the fans and Pellegrino, you know, we're playing, we're starting our, the only center back in our squad who's, who's not a full fledged international, you know, like he's, yeah. um, so, and I think he's, he will get there, but, um, I, and whether that says that he is that good and he will be that good or whether it says, you know, this is what we're comfortable with and this is who we trust. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what it says, but I, th- I just thought that was, that was at least some, somewhat interesting. It's also about continuing the brand of playing young players I know Stevens technically actually wasn't an academy player because we bought him from Plymouth a couple of years ago when he was young. But it's, it still proves that he's been through a couple of the ranks at Southampton and he's now made it to the first team and he's surpassed a defender that's been at the club for five years. So what does that tell you about the, his qualities and potential that in five months he's surpassed someone who's been here for five years and has all that experience and... At the moment, he he can't start if we've got Hood and Van Dyke fit, and that's just the reality. He's not as good as them, but if he works hard, he could go on to be an international later on in his career. But I do worry for the him in terms of he's going to get limited chances now if Van Dyke's going to be playing up until January when the cup games start. And honestly, maybe a lot, maybe a loan move would be good for him. That hasn't really been suggested before, but. If Van Dijk and Hood are starting regularly, maybe it wouldn't be great for his development if he's on the bench all the time. Obviously, it'd be good for him to think that he's got so far in the first thing, but he's played so much football in the last couple of months. Really, he needs to keep going and continue his development. So maybe we don't need to buy a replacement for Van Dijk once he leaves eventually. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that works. And I, and I am actually a little bit concerned that his development will be kind of will stagnate um, because he's done so well the past few months uh, of really of developing and is doing a, a fantastic job. So I hope that uh, continues. But um, we have some listener questions, and I think this will kind of address the other issues that we wanted to kind of talk about while we're here. Um, so if you don't mind, we'll go ahead and, and go through those. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so Jay, who's at SFC underscore Jim, uh, says, what would be your lineup for Palace Away? Would you make wholesale changes due to how poor we've been? Um, I think you have to look at the fact that Van Dyke's very close to full fitness. I've said it earlier in the episode that I would put him in the starting eleven as soon as he's fit straight away because he's got to play at some point and we'll see how well he does um, for the under-23s. I don't know whether he'll be fit enough for Saturday's game, but we have seen quite a lot of the time that when a key player has been out for a while and they play on the sort of Monday game for the under-23s, they're usually fit enough to be involved in the Saturday game. So hopefully he can be involved. Assuming that he's fit enough to start, I would probably play the normal full-backs, Bertrand and Cedric, and then Hood and Van Dyke together. And then I would probably put Romeo and Lamina together in defensive midfield. And then this is where it gets a bit difficult. This is the diff- most yeah. sort of confusing part of the lineup. On the top of my head... I would probably go Redmond and then, I don't know, I think Davis has to be in there and then it's between Buffon and Tadic. So let's, honestly, I'm fed up with Tadic not putting in the effort um, and showing the quality that we know he has. So let's let's go for Buffon and then Gabbiadini up front. All right, so JWP and Tadic miss out? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Okay. Yeah, I think I think the easier, like you said, the easier part is choosing who's going to play the defense. That the front three in that, in the midfield 
just playing up behind or off the striker that that's the that's the area where where it gets difficult and where we really just haven't seen the kind of quality that that we need to see I have been impressed. I will say I have been impressed with what Long has done when he's come on in the past few matches. I feel like he's really um, brought the change. And I was really worried if we lost him that we would we would definitely not have that. But uh, I think he's been doing uh, a great job, although still not scoring. Um, he did create a couple of chances both uh, away at Huddersfield. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And you never know. It might be that when we start to play some of these bigger teams that really come on to us that we can play on the break a little bit and we can change instead of when we're expected to play to be the, the dominant side. But uh, I would expect us to kind of co- go with the lineup that you kind of suggested. If Van Dyke's fit, he has to start. So uh, I think we're, we all agree there. Um, and then the next question, we kind of have two questions that are really similar. Uh, George, who's at Moroccan Messi, and Connor Dunford, who's at Connor Dunford1, both on Twitter. Um, George writes... Do you think our current predicament is due to the players at the manager's disposal or the management itself? And then Connor said, does Dan think it's the manager's formation and tactics or the player's ability that's letting the club down? Uh, which of those do you think kind of is, is, is the overriding factor here? I think it's both. Um, as I've said previously in the episode, I think Pellegrino does need to kind of not knuckle down, but he really needs to work out um, what is going to be his starting 11 for the majority of games what is his best team when uh, the squad is fully fit. And also the tactics, how we're going to play. I don't think he's completely to blame, though, because I have seen a lack of interest from the players. I've seen a lack of fight. Um, whether that's down to being played in the wrong position, I'm not sure. I've, I know Tadic had lacked quality, mainly due to the fact that he was playing as a winger, in my opinion. And I think he's always been a brilliant sort of assister and provider of goals when he's been playing in that essential number 10 role. So maybe it is down to that fact. And then obviously Pellegrino would be to blame for that. But I, I can't repeat it anymore. He needs to work out his tactics. He needs to know where his players are going to play. And he needs to know his first choice team sheets. Dan, who's at Hollywood Hoiberg, asks, thoughts on Pellegrino at this point? It's too early to want him out, but he's been outdone tactically the last three games. And we kind of talked about uh, the manager before this, but do you think that he has been outmanaged so far this year? Or do you think that, it, like you said, it's it's kind of down to the to the players? Um, I think in that sense, it's probably more up to him. But I was never sort of concerned about the his appointment mainly due to the fact that really there wasn't enough high quality managers that would have been available for the job I know DeBoer was in the running but we look at him now how he's doing at Palace and we're delighted to have Pellegrino but what did concern me a little bit to be honest is his track records um, manager of two teams in the Argentinian league obviously does have experience in the Premier League but not as a full-time manager but if he could have implemented and if he can I know I'm saying could have but we're only five games into the season four in the right, league right. um what he did at Alaves last season was very impressive uh taking a relegation threatened side up to ninth I thought well if he can if he can take a sort of consistent top half finishing team in the Premier League and they can surpass expectations like he did with Alaves, then we was, I think we would have been set for European football again. Um, obviously, that's a massive, massive ask in the first place. Um, 
But going back to the question, I think the tactics do need to be um, tinkered with. But you can't say that he needs to be sacked or the board should be looking at replacements or anything like that. Because even though uh, the Wolves game was disappointing, he learned a lesson from that. He should now know that those three centre-backs that he played and the three at the back, the, the, just, the team selection was absolutely wrong. But um, I don't think really he was out... I don't know if this is a word, out-tacticted, something like that, <laughs> um, in the Huddersfield game. First half, probably yes, but we knew that they were going to be very high-pressing. But you look at the second half, and that was down to the players. They didn't take their chances. But you look at the Watford game, Silva knew what he was doing, and Pellegrino didn't. Whether that's down to Premier League experience, I don't think it is, because Silva's only been managing for a couple more months in that league um, than Pellegrino Going back to my previous point, you can't say that his job's at threat because at the end of the day, I know this is hard to believe, but we've actually still made one of the best starts. Well, um, I think, yeah, it's probably the joint best start now since being promoted five years ago. So what does that tell you? That tells you there's probably much better to come, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a long season, right? I mean, we still have 34 games left to play. Um you know, we get to play all of these, all of these people again and West Ham don't look like they're getting any better. So, you know, maybe that's another three points and hopefully we get three points a few more times between now and then, uh, we can, <laughs> we can only hope, um, yeah. a little bit of a, a, of a different question. This one comes from Dan Crouch, who is at one eight, eight, five, the art of, and he asks, has the sale affected the club at all? And then Another question, is our black box kind of overthinking the transfers and missing out on players such as Gray, Loftus-Cheek, Chalaba, etc.? So I guess we'll start with, um, do you think that the, that the sale of the club has had an effect on on whether it was bringing in t- transfer targets or, or missing out on them? And do you think we're kind of overthinking and trying to be too like, too fine with who we, who we choose in the transfer market? It's definitely a possibility. Um, we knew that there was some sort of takeover since January. I mean, it's been going on for a long time. Um, there have been talks of the businessman that has bought the club being a bit of a crook and a bit dodgy and the fact that he's actually using his own inheritance instead of his um, profits and revenue that he's making through his business um, for the club. But he must be fine because there were lots of checks from the Premier League on him. But you could say that maybe that takeover did affect funds um, for the manager. We saw that some players that had had their medicals and didn't sign in the end. So I think we've always had the money and Pellegrino was given the funds. But if he wasn't, then you look at next summer. Now this takeover is officially done. You think there is the potential that we get a massive, well, not massive, but in terms of Premier League, a very decent sized budget for a mid-table club because I, you look at the signings the teams around us have made. I've said it lots of times in many different sort of chats with people. Um, there were signings we could have made. But going back to the players though that viewer suggested, though they're not the sort of players we should have looked at anyway. Have Neither of, well, I say neither, none of those three players have scored for the teams they've joined. Um, Gray has done okay at Watford, so has Chalibur. Loftus-Cheek hasn't really been given the opportunity. So that's three players there which would have cost us upwards of 
30, 40 million and they haven't scored a goal. So what, that, that, what does that tell you? The business of the club is still okay. But like I've said, I think there have been players that we kind of missed out on due to the fact that we're trying to keep to the Southampton whale, looking at the black box, finding players that haven't really been discovered. The Sadio Mane's, the Toby Adverbiro's, who wasn't getting the game time. Um, but now I think we do need to try and maybe potentially change our transfer policy a little bit to compete in the Premier League. Yeah, I think it's important to, you know, you can't build your entire squad paying full price for players. You know, you can't you can't go out and get finished products to build your entire squad. We're just not that type of club. But uh, you do have to be able to recognize when, you know, we have a lot of the pieces that we've been able to kind of put together over a, a, a transfer window or two or three. And then you go out and, and spend the money on the one final piece that that completes the puzzle. And we haven't really done that yet. And I think that is, that's hopefully that's where we're going. I don't expect us to go out and spend, you know, and compete with some of the teams at the top end of the Premier League in terms of money spent. But uh, I do kind of want us to, to, if we see the right player and we know that that's the player we need to, to spend the money um, almost regardless of what that, that price is. And I realize there, there is definitely, you know, within reason, you know, I don't, I don't want to overpay for a player, but um, sometimes you kind of have to go out and do that. Um, one more question here, and it, it relates to mostly to yesterday's game from Shannon Smith, who's at Shannon Smith too. It says yesterday we were second to the ball uh, almost always, and our midfield especially got got bullied. Is that poor game prep or is that poor player attitude? Um, like I've said before, I think it's down to both. Um, we've definitely seen problems in attitude of a couple of players, um, or they're not showing the qualities that we know that they possess. But I do think, like you said earlier in the episodes. You're worried about being bullied at set pieces because Watford are a big, strong presence. And I, I agree with that. So there must have been some problem with the tactics. Otherwise, we would have been able to deal with those big, strong players. So yes to the fact that there was something wrong with being second to the ball. The tactics weren't spot on at all. They were nowhere near spot on in that sense. Um but I think there is still something wrong in the mindset of the players coming over from last season. All right. Well, um, I think for me, that pretty much does it. Do you have any anything else that you'd like to discuss? Um, I, I All I really want to say is you can find my Twitter through this episode. If you subscribe to my channel, that'd be so much appreciated. Really appreciate any subscribers um, coming from this podcast. Um but yeah, that's really all I've got to say. Hopefully we can do better uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we'll put links to both your Twitter and uh, your your YouTube channel in the show notes. If people don't know where you're at on Twitter, they can follow you at dhargravessfc. And you can find your YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes and we'll make sure we send people over there. Um, so yeah, Dan, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, you know, I know you've, you had a bit of a long weekend and I appreciate you kind of sticking with us to do this. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll, I'll gladly have you on uh, in the future. I'd love to talk to you again. And until then, I'll just uh, have to watch your vlogs and, uh, you know, root the Saints on from here. And once again, that was my conversation with Dan Hargraves. You can find him on Twitter at dhargravessfc. And be sure to check out his YouTube channel. The link to that is in the show notes. So a lot, lot has gone on this week. Lots to be made of both Virgil van Dyke's return to the U23s. Didn't have a great game. 
you know, he, he looked to be, I don't want to say at fault for two of the goals, but he definitely looked like he hadn't played in a few months. Um, and, you know, maybe we also saw a little bit why Alex McCarthy's not challenging Fraser Forrester for uh, that number one goalkeeping spot in the club. But I don't want to read too much into it. I only saw, you know, six or seven second clips of, of, of goals scored against us. So we won't, we won't make too big of a judgment. But like I said, loss has gone on. Transfer window's closed. We have had one of the poor performances uh, of the season, and I think of, of the past kind of few months, uh, even, even going into last season. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be different kind of moving forward. Hopefully, hopefully we can turn it around this week against Crystal Palace, who sit bottom of the table. They just fired their coach, um, so hopefully uh, we we can do that. Hopefully they don't get the new manager bounce. Uh, I'm not sure what Roy Hodgson, who is, I think, going to going to replace Frank DeBoer, not sure what, what kind of a reaction he's going to get. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think there are one or two players that he, you know, either didn't call up to the England squad or sent home from the England squad or whatever that are, that are on Crystal Palace's squad. So we will, uh, we'll see how that all goes. I'm sure it will be great. Once again, we'd like to thank Dan for, for joining the show. Uh, and if you haven't followed him on Twitter, be sure to do that. It's D Hargraves SFC. Um, and you can also follow this show on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. And if you haven't done so yet, this is, maybe this is your first time, uh, you can subscribe to the feed in iTunes, Stitcher, ACAST, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss an episode. It makes it a lot easier. Uh, my dad just did it, so I know that you can do it too. Um, He's probably not going to like me saying that, but I, I love him anyway. Um, and so when you subscribe, you'll get each new episode uh, as soon as it comes out, as soon as it's available, and you won't have to kind of wait to see it on Twitter or play it from Twitter or whatever. Just go on about your day, and it's there when you want it. So do that. And if you're really enjoying the show, consider leaving a review on iTunes if that's where you listen. Uh, it does help other people find out about the show, and uh, it, it just kind of makes the show more accessible to others who maybe haven't heard about it just yet. So uh, I would really appreciate that if you could do that, but I understand if you can't. So um once again, thank you to Dan. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you to the guests who continue to send in um, questions each week. We really do appreciate that. It uh, gives a little something different to to the show. Um, and as somebody did this week, you can send your questions directly to me uh, via DM. And if you don't want your name read, uh, you know, maybe maybe I won't read it uh, if, you, if you ask. But I, I prefer that, uh, you know, I'm able to read your name and stuff like that. But sometimes people are embarrassed. So, uh, you know, feel free to do that too. The DMs are open. You don't have to... Uh, to ask permission or ask me to send you a DM or whatever, you can just, you just go ahead and do it. So, um, I think with all that being said, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, and before we go, I'd just like to remind you that you could check out the, we are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. Be sure to check out the, we are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page has been a huge supporter of this show. He did the logo for the show. Uh, he's been a huge help, uh, giving me lots of feedback and been a guest on the show. Uh, so kid could not do this show without him literally would not have any artwork to put up without him. So thank you to Matt for, for doing that. So once again, that's, we are Southampton on Instagram. Do not miss it. And, uh, I think with all that being said, we will be back hopefully next week. My wife and I are going on vacation. We play super early in the morning. It's 4:30 AM kickoff here, uh, the West coast. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure that's going to go, especially if we're going out Friday night. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll probably have something for you. Not sure what it'll be, but I'm sure it'll be great or complete crap, one or the other. All right, until next time, remember that together, we march on.